okay, I guess the time has come. I've waited long enough. I am doing a show. It's time to do a show. Some of you have reached out to me and said, hey, can you do this? Can you update us? Can you fill us in? Give us your analysis of the current situation. It's been very difficult. I'll be brutally honest. You've probably figured this out already. I've waited several days here, procrastinated, honestly, because this is difficult and because I don't know what to say. And I'm a stickler for prep. I'm a stickler for taking notes and for being pretty well prepared. I have no notes, no prep. This is going to be stream of consciousness, except except for the hashkafa part of it. And let's get to that right now. Well, let's start like this. Let's start from the beginning, okay? As you know, Kalal Yisrael uh, has suffered through the worst tragedy, the worst attack, but really the worst crisis, worst tragedy, um, worst situation that we have gone through um, in my lifetime, in many of our lifetimes, you know, since the Holocaust, Rahman al-Latlan, in terms of the magnitude, it's not about comparing this attack, that attack. I always say, I've said many, many times, every human life is precious, every Tzalm al is precious, certainly every member of Kal Yisrael is precious, immeasurably precious, beyond words, beyond human comprehension. So, but, you know, but just in terms of the magnitude here, a lot of us are not able to process this and wrap our heads around it, myself included, because... It's just so devastating and, and so much worse than anything that we've ever seen. You know, 9-11 was a horrific, horrific crisis. 9-11 did not target Yidin specifically. COVID was a, a tremendous crisis and a tremendous Eitzara, uh, um, but also it did not target specifically Yidin versus Goyim versus non-Jews. So this is something that is just going to take a long time to process, okay? And a lot of us have to figure out how to process it in a healthy way, how to cope, how to cope, how to feel the pain, how to have the compassion, have the empathy, um, without breaking down and while somehow processing it in a healthy way. And and by the way, there are a lot of experts out there and they're giving good advice and teaching us, okay, here's how you cope, here's how you manage. But some there's a part of me after you know going through different things in my life Baruch Hashem, really, nothing too stressful, but different stresses where I've learned that, like, you kind of, you hear the advice from experts, and then you figure out a way to cope in a healthy way that works for you. I don't think it's one-size-fits-all. I don't think it's cookie-cutter. But that's a story for a separate day. So we're all going through this. Obviously, the real victims are Rahman al-Atlan, are the hostages. The real victims are the families of the hostages, the families of the people who, who lost lives, who perished, who, who, who were nifter, who tragically you know, we're killed, Hashem Yom Kaim It's unimaginable, it's unfathomable. The numbers that we're talking here are beyond human comprehension. Uh, it's horrific, it's unspeakable. Uh, any words I say are only going to diminish. So, you know, let me just address it that way and be upfront and say this is something that is beyond our capability to truly, truly comprehend. And yet, Many people are in pain, many people are bizarre, many people are suffering, many people are rallying, and there's tremendous achtos, there's achtos and chesed like we've never seen. So there's like two sides to this, there's the dark side, and then there's the incredible, incredible uh, positive side, which is, you know, the, the, the kiddush Hashem. I mean, you have Fox News talking about doing mitzvahs, Fox News people are, are being are taking Kabbalahs to do mitzvahs, this whole organization, a whole movement to be makabal, one mitzvah. And uh, it, it, it's a headline on Fox News, how, 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 how Yidin around the world, including many Yidin who are not Shemitah mitzvahs, who are being makabal a mitzvah, and people running to the front lines. They can't get, the, get there fast enough, put, putting on their uniforms for the first time in years. We're seeing things that we never thought we would see in our lifetime. And it's, it's, it's tragic that it took such a tragedy to bring out such incredible positive goodness 
in people. But that's what we're seeing. And such a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. So there's like so many different levels to this. Um, now, Hashkafa, okay? Some of you have actually asked me uh, for some Hashkafa. I know other people are uncomfortable. Listen, this is not the forum for Hashkafa. And, and by the way, I think we can all agree you know, I do a pretty good job. It's not about me, but but uh, I, I'm very, very careful. I do not mix in hashkafa. I, we talk about politics. Very, very often, there's a fine line between the things that we discuss and hashkafa. Very often, we touch on things that are very, very fundamental hashkafic issues, but I don't cross that line. I'm very, very careful. We're going to do political analysis, keep it separate from hashkafa. Somebody said to me, hey, in this situation, just do two shows. Just do one where you give the analysis, the update on the actual situation, the matzav, and then a separate show. You tell people, listen, you can listen or you cannot. Choose to listen or not. I, uh, that's always my attitude. This is here for you. If it helps you, good. Hopefully it's beneficial. I have a relationship and a connection with a lot of people out there, it turns out. you know, Not, not, not that I know all of you, but uh, I see it. It really does impact people, hopefully in a positive way. Uh, Baruch Hashem, I hope that if that's my contribution, great. If it doesn't work for you, then fine. If it works for you, then great. You know, years ago, we used to have Yeshiva Bachrim and, 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 and Kyle Yungalai and other people would say, listen, it's Elul. I'm shutting you off. I'm not listening to you for the next six weeks because it's Rosh Chodesh Elul. I don't think this is good for me. And I would think to myself, great, I'm the Yetzirah. You know, I would joke around. But like, that's what it is, is that I'm an outlet. This is an outlet. It's beneficial for people. It's a kosher way that they, people who are like me, who are interested in the news and politics, maybe not like me, maybe not to that extent, but, um, it's beneficial. Baruch Hashem. If not, then you shut it off. Uh, I, I, so it's like, okay, do two shows. I tried. I could not. I literally tried, and I could not do two separate shows. They're just, it's too intertwined. Every single other thought that comes out relates, connects so deeply to Hashkafa and to how we're supposed to have the, the proper perspective on this. And, you know, uh, the, the, the role that Kali Israel should play and what we should take away and the messaging. I couldn't. I couldn't. So here's the disclaimer. If if you don't think, and I respect that, if you don't think, now some people say to me, this, this is where I'm torn, maybe I shouldn't even go to Hashkafa, maybe we shouldn't even go there. And then the people who say to me, uh, listen, your Hashkafa actually helps me. And I do think, you know, it's very grounded, it's researched, uh, and it's not off the cuff. And by the way, the Hashkafa side, when I said before, I don't I didn't take notes, I have a ton of notes on the Hashkafa side of things, just so you know. And I, I generally, on Shabbos morning, say a Dvar Torah in my shul. So I'll be honest with you, I literally jotted down a bunch of notes for what I plan to say in shul Shabbos morning, to a small kahila, a small, a you know, quite small kahila. Well, how, well, that's a conversation for a different day. So I'm going to pretty much say what I plan to tell them. That's pretty much going to be the hashkafa side of this, just so you understand the context. Um, I understand some people say to me, listen, there are kids that listen. Maybe you're not the hashkafa that we accept. You know, maybe you're not exactly in line with our hashkafas. I respect it. You know me. Like, I am not looking to stuff my hashkafa down anybody's throat. But I'm torn because it helps some people. And I really, really believe that some, and, I, and it's not coming from me. I, I curate, I find, I listen to what other, what Rabbanim say and what different Dastaris say. And I, I, you know, I try to deliver what I think sounds right to me and maybe deliver it in, with, a, with a certain um, understanding, a certain havan, a certain angle, and uh, with a certain clarity, hopefully. So, that that you know, I I feel like it's not right to hold it back. That's where I'm kind of torn. Some people say, but we don't think it's the right forum. But then other people say, you know, maybe this could be helpful. So how do I kind of have a right to not share it? Okay. So with all of that, let's get in here. Um, we don't know how this happened, and uh, you know, it's it's astonishing when you look at some of the details. People try to explain. You have this wall, this. $1.5 billion wall. This wall was supposed to be impenetrable. Impenetrable. I always have trouble with that word. It seems, you know, and, and they just tore down the wall with a, with a bulldozer and then they just cut through the wall and they used tanks to get through the wall and 
somehow the IDF was not able to respond for five hours, four, five, six hours, at least four or five hours, that the IDF was not able to get to where these terrorists were, Yamakshimam, it it boggles the mind how what's supposed to be the most sophisticated defense systems on the planet and Israeli security, and we know about the Mossad and and the Shin Bet, and to not be aware that they were planning this attack, and then they actually penetrate, and nobody knows basically for four or five hours, and nobody's able to get there for four or five hours and realizes the magnitude, and they get through this wall. Supposedly, if somebody coughs standing near the wall, there's an alert, okay? And, and that's not an exaggeration. In other words, the wall is so sensitive that if somebody touches the wall, um, there's an alert that the IDF immediately is alerted. Defense forces know that somebody's breaching the wall. So this wall is so sophisticated. They breached the wall. We know that, look, I'm not going to go through the whole the storyline right now. You, many of you know it, I, I presume, from other sources. We know about the paragliders. Uh, they bombed the outposts. So like there's supposed there's surveillance systems, cameras that can tell when people are breaching the wall. They bombed those with, with drones. Okay, paragliders getting across. Breaking down the fences, I said, supposedly there was some kind, and then the rockets are coming, so Israel defense is busy, preoccupied with the rockets and the Iron Dome. This was a multi-pronged attack. It was very strategically done, but at the same time, it was a very low-tech attack. It's like, to me, breaching um, the borders of Eretz Yisrael, breaching the, the, the wall between Gaza and Eretz Yisrael, to me, is harder than breaching the White House, I would have said. Okay, I would have said, it cannot be done. We all would have said that. And yet, they managed to do it. Nobody's really been able to give a good explanation what went wrong. That right there touches on huge hashkafa, which is what, what is this really telling us? Uh, you know, and, and and again, we're just all trying to kind of process this. It means that we, the, 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 you know, ain lanu lehi right? You're relying on a defense department. You're relying on humans. You're relying on intel. You're relying on a government. False. Mistake. Okay, this is the lesson. We know it, but we don't know it. Oh, but you know, I feel safe. You know, oh, but like, I mean, uh, that can't happen. It's not possible. You know, th- this is way too, uh, th- th- this is way too powerful a defense system. This is impenetrable. Impenetrable. This cannot be done. Nobody, there's no way some low tech terrorists are going to use paragliders, uh, to, you know, and a bulldozer to get through this system. This system cannot be breached. It's not possible. Anything is possible. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can protect us. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is lesson number one. And it, and it is so clear that literally the, the Israel, they're the people, they are the go-to. They are the prototype. Anyone, any country that needs a defense system set up, a security system set up, where do you go? You go to the Israeli government, period. Any system, any intel. Who You know, is Israel, like somebody who I interviewed said, the, the, the Mossad is tipping off France and Germany. Hey, there's there's a terror cell. They're gonna they're gonna uh, carry out an attack. Okay, so the Israeli government, the Mossad, they, they, they're always the ones. They're the go to, and yet they totally dropped the ball. Whether it's negligence, we don't know. There's, there's gonna be investigations. Okay, and maybe there'll be people held accountable. Maybe some of the top people. Okay, maybe people that we have believed in. Okay, we shouldn't believe in them. Al tiftu benedivim. That is step one. We don't know how it happened. The situation right now, as far as the hostages, what can I say? There, there are no words. I, I, I think about it. The emotions. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. My, my, my father today, and my father today. My father said to me, you know, he's he says, you know, I don't know if you believe me or not. He says, but you know, I saw an image of a of a child in Gaza, and you know, if if they offered me right now, you know, a child, a, a, a Yiddish a child, if they offered me right now that I could trade places with him. I've lived my life, you know, I've lived a life, uh, I'm okay, 
uh, I would trade places with him. That's what he said to me. And we're not going to get into all these details right now, but yeah, that was very, that, that obviously very moving and very, you know, powerful and kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And there's other stories. I've, I've tried very much to avoid videos. I tried to avoid some of the stories which are just beyond heartbreaking, beyond painful. The pain is unimaginable. I, I, I can't, you know, avoid everything. We don't, you know, we're human. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know what to say about the hostages. Again, nobody knows, uh, you know, what's the outcome going to be. We, we, we're, we're looking so desperately for, you know, the unthinkable or the impossible or the improbable to happen. Uh, we, we hope for Nisa Minifilois, we have to daven and just daven and daven and daven and, um, I, I, you know, and cry and, and feel the suffering and do our share, which is we feel helpless because we're somewhat helpless, but we're not helpless because we can take Kabbalahs and we can daven and do all sorts of things. It's, uh, I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know exactly what the game plan is. I don't know if anybody knows the game plan. What, you know, best case scenario of the outcome, Derek Hateva, obviously we hope for Nisa Minifilois. It's not a good situation. It's not a good situation, obviously, and uh, I wish I knew what to say. So, you know, th- and those are, we're not doing politics today. There's no politics today. But um, I, I think these are the sentiments. All I'm saying right now is sentiments that I think we're all feeling. And, uh, you know, some people feel it a little stronger. Some people are traumatized. Some people could not function this week. Some people, I think everyone at Kleisrol is functioning uh, on, uh, you know, lower throttle, uh, much, much less, uh, less lower caliber functional functionality than usual you know they're not um performing at 100 i think we all kind of feel that way everyone looks at each other we all kind of with whether we're thinking it or saying it that you know we're we're, we're all the are. you know and i'll tell you uh my, my 14 year old daughter kind of made the point that there's something about this crisis it's ongoing you know my 14 year old daughter said that um you 9-11 uh 9-11 which was traumatic beyond words um you know, and, uh, and, and, and did cause a lot of trauma and pain and suffering and not to minimize it at all. Cause it was, you know, the, 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 the worst day of a lot of our lives, but the next day it was kind of, there was an ongoing, you know, potential alert threat, but it was the next day it was done. You know, the next day after nine 11, for the most part, day two, three days later, the crisis itself was over. And now it was about the aftermath and coping and moving on. And similarly, uh, you know, Meron, Rahman Meron was a horrific tragedy, which we all, you know, just w- experienced. Again, I, I don't, when I say we all, the victims are the victims, the victims and their families, they are the ones who are experiencing it. They are the ones who are going through um, such torment and going through unthinkable horrors. So they're really the ones who are experiencing it. But I just mean that collectively as Kaisral, we all feel it on some level. So, but even Meron, you know, within a day or two, okay. Now we pick up the pieces. This happened. Again, it doesn't minimize it in any way. But there's a closure. This is my, my 14-year-old daughter made this phenomenal point, which is that there was a closure. By 9-11, by Mehron, there's a closure. And then after that closure, now the healing begins. It takes a long time. It's painful. It's unbearable. It's unthinkable. Um, but for the most part, that's how that went. There are still people who, you know, who are wounded in Mehron who are still, I guess, struggling. Um, this is ongoing. This is ongoing because there's people right now who are going through unthinkable things. It's un, unbearable. I cannot, you know, it's just, I can't, I can't, I, we have to stop about this topic, but, but that's what, you know, one of the things, and I have no, you know, I have no wisdom, as I'm sure you know, I have no wisdom to, to share on that. I will read you later, you know, I, I, the few things that I wrote down from other people, I, I'll read you something that Rabbi Shea's tab actually said in terms of how to cope and how we deal with some of the questions that are bothering us and how our brains try to torment ourselves. Fascinating. Whatever. We'll get to that a little bit later. All right. So let's get to the real hashkafa here, the things that I plan to share um, 
with my shul. Um, and like I said, biggest tragedy for Kali Yisrael in our lifetime, in, you know, since since the Holocaust. And like I said, the fact that it's ongoing and I think we need to cope in a healthy way. So you know, we reduce the, the pleasure, we reduce the gashmias. Everyone has to figure out their own. I'm not going to tell you what to do, which Kabbalahs. I will tell you this. Someone who says, all right, I'm going to start learning Dafyami today. Or, you know, I'm going to start learning an extra hour a day or do something which is, uh, look, by all means, do it. If you can do it, do it. But my point is I'm worried people take Kabbalahs and they bite off more than they can chew and then they can't fulfill it. So I think it's very important to, like, keep it something which is, small enough that you can actually follow through. So whether it's a weekly 10-minute Seder, whether it's a daily 5-minute Seder, you know, before you go to sleep at night, you're going to learn this amount of psukim, or you're going to learn these amount of lines of Gemara, or 5 minutes of Gemara, or say Tehillim, or something else. You know, I'm going to make Shabbos early, which some of us find challenging, or I'm going to maybe extend Shabbos late. Uh, Bench out of a bencher. You know, I'm going to have to tell you, a lot of Kabbalahs. Uh, you know, I always like one, I always think to myself, you know, somebody wants to get to davening on time. For some of us, it's a big struggle, very hard to get to davening on time. So how do you do it? So the answer is, what if you pledge that you're always going to leave davening? You're never going to leave early. You'll always leave davening on time. In other words, you'll never pack out early. You'll always stay in davening, at davening, shachris, minchamar, until the very, very end. What about not talking during davening, even times when it's mutter to talk during davening? There's a lot of potential kabbalas, but again, small enough, not because small is better than big, the biggest you can, but, but small enough that it's realistic. That's my point. Um, okay, now, I have a thought about Shabbos, the connection to Shabbos. I've been told that other people have said similar things. One of my listeners, who I actually am in contact with, called me, and, and, and I thought of this, and he said the same thing. So, uh, let me share this. Rav Meisha Sternbach, and I, I spoke about it, I don't remember if I, on, my, on the show or... Definitely in my shul, but I, I spoke about this. Moshe Sternbach made the point a few weeks ago. And l- let me just say this. I think there's a link between Shmira Shabbos and this attack. And again, it's just a suggestion, and I don't know, obviously, nobody knows. But it certainly doesn't hurt, you know, to be Mitzchazik in Hilcha Shabbos, right? And in Shmira Shabbos. So, fascinating thing. Moshe Sternbach said before Shoshana, um, and I mentioned this to a bunch of people, because I was fascinated by it, that that in a year where there's no Shoifer, it's, 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 there's an article in there that basically goes through there were many years in Kaisal's history, including the Korban Bias and other years. I believe, I believe the Shvir Saluchis, I believe, but not sure. But many tragedies in Kaisal happened in a year where there was no Shaifer, um, because of Shabbos. And, and, uh, in other words, it was a two day Rosh Hashanah. Shabbos was the first day. I, now that I think about it, maybe Shvir Saluchis doesn't make sense because maybe they only kept one day of Rosh Hashanah. So I don't, I don't know. That might have been a mistake. So check that out. But, Either way, many tragedies happened in Kaiswal that ha- including 9-11, that happened um, a year when Rosh Hashanah started on Shabbos, therefore the first day there was no Shafer. So the combination of Aruch and Chassam Shafer basically say that What's the protection? What are the schusim? Shafer gives us schusim. We don't have those schusim in a year like this year. So what do we have? We have Shabbos because we're, we're gufa not blowing Shafer because of Shabbos. Therefore, be miskazik somehow on Shabbos. And Rosh Hashanah actually said to take a Kabbalah, take a Kabbalah to learn Hilcha Shabbos or to somehow do, do some kind of extra Chumrah for Shmir Shabbos or something. Some Kabbalah related to Shabbos. Literally, Rosh Hashanah said this, Erev Rosh Hashanah. The, the attack happened on Shabbos. The attack happened on Shabbos. That's number one. Number two, there was at least one kibbutz, maybe several. One, uh, there were in several neighborhoods, or at least one, where they have a fence. They basically, you, you can't get in or out because of Shmir Shabbos. So they literally have a fence that you cannot get in or out of the kibbutz because they want to make sure that people can keep in Shabbos. They can't drive in and out. And the terrorists were miraculously prevented, I think because of that fence, prevented from actually breaching those 
kibbutzim, those, those neighborhoods, those areas. So unbelievable how Shmir Shabbos literally protected certain people, many Yidin, from being attacked. And the attack itself happened on Shabbos, and it happened in a year like this. So again, that doesn't, you know, doesn't mean that it's clear, you know, it's not muchach, as we would say, it's not 100%, um, you know, uh, guaranteed, but I, I think there's a message here that we have to be mischazik in Shmira Shabbos. I think that's very important, and uh, different people can do that in different ways. As I said earlier, we look at the positive. Now, uh, let me make another point. How much do we appreciate right now, just waking up in the morning, how much do we appreciate that we can hug our child at night, you know, or that we have our parents, or that we have our families, or that we wake up in the morning and we can breathe and take a breath and say, Mayda'ani, and thank you, Hashem, for keeping me alive. The things that last week, two weeks ago, three weeks ago seemed so important are now so irrelevant, are now so trivial and so meaningless. So that's an incredible aspect of this is, and it, the, well, but it doesn't last, right? How long is it going to last? Maybe, maybe not. As long as it lasts, it lasts. It, 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 it impacts you. When, when you go through it and you start realizing, wait a second, this is what's important in life. This makes no difference. This, this gosh, me is, I've been pursuing. Who cares? Um, I care about this. Who cares? Why does it matter? So that impacts you. I like to believe long term. Maybe it, it, it's not as conscious. Maybe it's subliminal and subconscious, but it impacts us for, you know, it impacts your neshama in, in, in a growth oriented way. When you go through periods of time and you realize, wait a second. I really care about that. I care about that car. I really care about, you know, getting that job or that whatever that pursuit is or traveling to Dubai or wherever you're trying to do. Like, no, that like that doesn't matter. And I think about, so that's so important, you know, the, just appreciating being able to get up in the morning and be with your family and hopefully be safe. Although obviously there are no guarantees as we see, but hopefully be living in a safe environment and have your house and have your home and have your family. And no matter what other stresses and what other things are going wrong, and I know people are struggling, but it's an incredible thing how this has brought out the just appreciation of just what it means to just wake up in the morning and be alive and be free and, and hopefully be safe. And, and, and be able to hug your family members and say, I love you. It's just, I mean, wow, the little thing, the quote unquote little things in life. It's not a little thing. It's a huge thing, but we take it for granted. Okay. You know, well, my, my Shiva once said that uh, Reveli Lapian, there was a recording. Someone took a recording of Reveli Lapian, uh, that's all saying Maidaani in the morning. And the way he said Maidaani, we say Maidaani and we're half asleep and we're barely awake and conscious and we just kind of mumble it and mutter it probably, right? And we're not really thinking about it. And, he said it, you know, thank you, HaKadosh Baruch He said it, obviously, the words itself, he said the words, but when he said the words, he said it with such a passion and energy and such gratitude. He actually, at gratitude, he actually meant the words. Wow, Hashem, you gave me another day on this wonderful earth. You gave me another day to 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 to, to, to in, be involved in Shmir's Torah mitzvahs and to do Avodah Hashem. I'm the luckiest person in the world. He felt it, okay? We have a taste of that right now. As long as it lasts, it lasts. Um... We look at, and I'll just mention another, I think Rabbi Pesach Kron tells a story where there was a woman, there was a husband and a wife, and um, the, 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 this woman, you know, she, she was Israeli, I think, so she would always say the words, Zelo chashuv, Zelo chashuv. and you know, things would go wrong, the things would frustrate the husband. I may be getting the details, or I haven't heard the story in years, but either way, I think the takeaway is the same. So the, the, the husband used to get frustrated, you know, maybe the food would burn, dinner would burn one night, or maybe the kids, things would be messy, whatever was going on in the house. She would downplay it. Zelo chashuv, zelo chashuv. And it's like, well, you know, you know, it's not important, right? And, and he's kind of thinking, you know, I care about some of these things and it would frustrate him. You know, I, I don't think it was the end of the world, but I think it would like frustrate him. And then something terrible happened. I, think, I believe the way the story goes, that in childbirth, that I think she was nifter in childbirth, giving birth to one of their children. 
I'm sorry. I believe that that's the story. And uh, and then afterwards, you know, when the husband was masked, he said, Zalo chashuv, zalo chashuv. Now he understood Zalo chashuv. None of it was chashuv. None of it mattered. None of it mattered. Like the only thing that he wanted was to be able to have her back. So that is literally the 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 the, the feeling now that so many of us are experiencing Zalo chashuv. Okay, look at all the positive, as I said before, the Akhtos, the Kiddush Hashem, the Avos Yisrael. I mean, and, and, and just look at how things changed so quickly. And like I said, it's, 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 it's so sad that it takes a tragedy like this of, of just unthinkable proportions, but at the same time, it still brought out good. The Kiddush Hashem, the mitzvahs, the chesed, people are sending things, the money, the man standing in El Al, and honestly, the front man at the El Al counter and just paying for any IDF soldier who's going back to Eretz Yisrael, here, I'm buying you a ticket, free ticket. And just on and on and on, I, you know, we, we could spend a whole show just just talking about it. I don't even know myself. You probably know a lot more than I do. I will just mention, you know, that in a matter of literally a few hours, uh, there's a unity government in Israel, uh, which was unheard of for years and years. We've been talking about it, right? Israel cannot, there's no such thing as unity in Israel uh, in any sense, right? And we know, of course, about all the discord and all the uh, uh, chaos that's been going on with judicial reform. But uh, putting all the politics aside, you know, they formed the unity government in a matter of a couple of days. Like, they literally are brothers. Like, all, all the disagreements, all the bitter, vicious fighting that happens in the Israeli Knesset, that happens amongst the politicians, it's it's done. It's, we put it aside. We are brothers. We are as close as humanly possible from, not from Haredi, not Haredi. It's just astonishing how a Yid right now, no matter what your background, no matter... Shemesh Shabbos, not Shemesh Shabbos. Like, if you're a Yid and you see another Yid right now, we are in the trenches. We are brothers. We are as close as humanly possible. We don't judge. We don't care. It doesn't matter what your politics are, what mine are, what your hashkafa is, my hashkafa. We're, 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 we're blood brothers. We are, we're joined at the, we're attached at the hip. And it's, it was almost Kaharifayan. I mean, CNN has been pro-Jewish. CNN, no fan of CNN. CNN has been incredibly pro-Jewish. Now, again, it took these barbarians, these vicious savages. We haven't focused on Hamas. I can't, I can't bring myself to it. I think it's obvious to everybody. Animals, no, no word, any word I use, subhuman, monsters, the things that they have done. Any, this is the problem is I use adjectives. These adjectives, uh, I, I wouldn't use them to describe my worst enemy. And yet they're even worse than that. So like, they, they, pure evil, again, any word I use diminishes. I get it. But still, CNN, there, there are still some people in the media who are defending civilians in Gaza and saying you can't carpet bomb Gaza. Of course you can carpet bomb. Not only can you carpet bomb Gaza, you are have, have an obligation to carpet bomb Gaza. And CNN is like almost, almost recognizing that. And they've been extremely, extremely fair. I've heard this from many people and objective in their reporting. And even President Biden. I know some people criticize President Biden. He could be stronger. President Biden has been very supportive of Israel. Again, I'm not going to get into politics, not going to get into all the other issues. President Biden has been very supportive of Israel. Okay, so next. Um, Okay, I do want to mention something a little bit deeper about the connection to Shabbos you mentioned before, which is that I saw Vilna Goyen, and I'm going to paraphrase, the Vilna Goyen, the Grok, Kedarka, Bakaydish is very makatzer. But I think... I'm just going to tell you what I think he sort of means, okay? He's he's bothered by a question. We know that Shabbos is a matana. Matna Shabbos, right? But the Gemara, the Gemara says that Shabbos is a matana. Uh, the Gemara and Shabbos. And, uh, the, you know, the Gemara basically asks, how can it be a matana? Menucha is something, rest is something which is a shevaltase. It's a, it's, it's a lack of something. You know, when, when, you, when you're not, 
and I'll just ask this question, but you know, in some in some form or another. But you know, when you're not doing, if I'm not working, I'm resting. Okay, at default, it's like inertia, right? It's like Lahavdil, but it's like Newton, right? An object of rest tends to stay at rest. I'm giving you a matana. I'm giving you rest. Rest is just the lack of something. How do you give a matana of nothingness? You know, in other words, can I? Um, can I give you a matana? You're not going to eat. You're just going to sit there and not eat. Is that a matana? Like, what does that even mean? A matana, which is a negative. A matana, which there is no actual thing happening. It's just a lack. It's just manucha. I believe that's his question. And I think what he answers is, I believe, again, totally paraphrasing, that the world is set up in such a way we're always busy. You know, we're always, there's always something going on. The world by default, yeah, if the world by default was at a state of rest, then it wouldn't be a matana, but because we're always doing malacha, because it's sheishas yamim, because we are by definition busy and our lives are filled with all sorts of different things that are going on, whether it's good or bad, but there's always things happening. So that makes it a sheval tazik be a matana. It, it depends what your default is. It's not about whether you're doing something versus whether you're at rest. That's not the point. The, it's about what's the default, and and somehow the way the world is created, Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave us a world where we're busy six days a week. We're, we're we're relatively busy. Our lives are filled with with busyness. So therefore, it's a matana because the rest, the manucha, then is a matana because the manucha is something which is unnatural. The, the manucha is something which is unnatural. It goes against the grain. It goes against what our default nat, natural state of being is. And then he and then he shells uh, uh, to shalom, and he and he says the same thing essentially about shalom. Which is that Shalom also, you know, because the world has machlekes, so, uh, Shalom is a matana to us. And I was thinking about it, you know, we're always davening for, for Shalom, right? We're always, we're always davening, I mean, always, always is a strong word, but we daven so many times a day, you know, Sim Shalom and Isa Shalom and, um, we say Shalom Aleichem, right? We sing Shalom Aleichem on, on Shabbos, but we, we say Shalom Aleichem, that's how we greet people. I mean, every year, the most secular Jew greets someone else and, he, and they say Shalom to each other. So, like, Shalom is something we, we recognize. It is so, so crucial to our existence. And that's the girl essentially says is that, like, you can't live. You can't live without Shalom. So now, and Shabbos and Shalom have that kind of intrinsic connection, which to me is another, uh, you know, another link between Shabbos and this attack. Because obviously Shalom right now is something that we are craving and we're desperate for more than we can ever imagine. And and, and another thought, and this is going to bring us into Rav Shay's Taub, is another thought I had is that, you know, they penetrated the fences, right? These fences, these gedarim could not be broken, breached, and they were breached. And I said to myself, the Yetzirah is always breaching fences. Oh, and no matter how many gedarim, how many fences we put up, and we think we're fighting the Yetzirah and we're beating the Yetzirah, he always comes with a curveball. The Yetzirah is always strategizing and always figuring out. And I think there's a, there's a, a symbolism there that, the, 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 you know, they broke fences that could not be broken. We put up fences that the Yetzirah cannot break, and yet he breaks them. And, I, and I'm going to explain it. This goes a little deep. And some of you may appreciate it, some of you may not, but it's it's kind of the psychology. We're always outsmarting ourselves. The Yetzirah is outsmarting us. And, and I'll explain what I mean a little bit, even though it's it's very deep and a little bit abstract, and I apologize for that. Um, so let me quote you here. Rabbi Chase Taub, you know, he basically did a short video trying to... Um, respond to people who said, can you make sense of all this? And let me read you, uh, I'm quoting from Rabbi Shestab, quote, there's no actual strategic benefit other than, and he's talking about the attack, other than to strike dead, dread and panic into our hearts, and not just to break our hearts, but more so to break our brains. 
to expose us to things that no healthy human mind can make sense of, let alone to dream up such atrocities. So I understand the instinctive human reaction to try to regain some semblance of safety and security and normalcy by taking these things that are senseless and making sense of them by having a conversation, by talking it out. But you do not, do not make sense of the senseless. So that's why I hope you'll understand. Those of you who have asked me philosophical questions, how could Hashem allow it to happen? Why is there evil in this world? We're allowed to have those conversations, and we will have those conversations, but please do not give in to the reflex to try to have those conversations now as a misguided attempt to try to find some type of security and safety right now. That is not where our security and safety come from. And I'm going to end quote, I'm going to continue in a second, but you hear what he's saying? He's saying something so deep and so powerful. We're having these conversations because we're trying to feel safe. This is our problem, is right now we inherently feel unsafe because... Our safety is totally, has been, our world has been rocked, right? Our safety has been totally um, thrown just upside down. We've just been turned up, our whole world's been turned upside down. So we think if we have these conversations, oh, how do I make sense of it? How do I make sense of it? That's going to bring me safety. And he's saying that's wrong. And that really is your Yetzirah trying to uh, make you feel, l- l- search for safety in the wrong places. That's, that's my little addition. That's not him saying it. So here's what he adds, quote, that's not where our security and safety come from, because first of all, like I said, you cannot make sense of the senseless, so we're not going to talk our way into a resolution on this subject, but secondly, more importantly, our safety and security come from our connection to Hashem. Do we have a lot of questions right now about Hashem's ways? Yes, but He's Hashem. We do not fathom His ways. What we know very clearly is Hashem gave us marching orders, and this is our response. It's not time for eloquent speeches. It's not time for beautiful words. It's time to do what we know we need to do, to engage in acts of goodness and kindness, to do more mitzvahs, to learn Torah, to pray, say the words of Tehillim, Connect Hashem, strengthen our spiritual connection, strengthen the spiritual connection of another Jew. That is how we strengthen our people. Anything that would dissuade us from that or distract us from that, listen to this. Please understand, I'm going to use a harsh term, but it's an act of self-terrorism and self-sabotage to expose yourself to images and even descriptions of events that are beyond the pale of what a normal human mind can dream of in its worst nightmare. So do not self-traumatize. Again, all quoting Rabbi, Rabbi Talbir. There's no benefit in that. You are actually aiding and abetting the enemy by doing so. We're all in pain. We're not in denial of the pain. We feel the pain, but do not twist the knife, so to speak. In spite of the pain, focus on what we now know we need to do. Acts of goodness and kindness, terror study, words of prayer to Hillam, pouring out our hearts to Hashem, and strengthen our relationship with Hashem, strengthen another Jew's relationship with Hashem. End quote. So he's saying something very deep here. You know, he's saying that we actually do all these things to sabotage ourselves, and like we want to find safety, and we want to find peace, we want to understand. And all those things are really negating. We're avoiding what we should. We have marching orders. Do not question, are you safe? Your safety comes from Hashem. Are you safe? I don't know. Well, am I safe? Are we safe? Your safety comes from Hashem. That's the answer. What does Hashem want us to do now? He wants us to daven, say to Hillam. He wants us to, to, to grow. He wants us to love one another, to, to, to step up our ruchni, to step up our Hashem. But that's the beauty of Rabbi Sheistab's point is that we outsmart ourselves. Our Yetzirah is getting us to go only these other directions. We're going to look, we're going to check the news, and we're going to see, and maybe there's hope. And all those things are a distraction. We're, like, you need to be focused on Avadis Hashem, but what do you mean? I'm busy with this. I'm, 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 I'm suffering, and I'm feeling the trauma, and I'm questioning. Those are a distraction. That's the Yetzirah. And here you think you're doing a good thing, and the Yetzirah is penetrating, and he's breaching, and you think, no, no, no. I put out the Yetzirah. All I'm doing is focusing on the trauma. No, because that focus, if it gets too carried away, you're twisting the knife. That's not beneficial. That's not productive. You can think about it. I know it's a little bit deep. I will share with you like a final thought because it hit me like a ton of bricks. Today I saw a story. I'm doing, I'm doing this Arab Shabbos. I'm recording. Today I saw a story and um, it's a difficult story. It's a painful story about about a family of, the, of, of hostages. I'm not going to get into details right now, but it was painful and you know, I felt I was really, really suffering from it and uh, still am. And I was sitting in the car and I'm saying to myself, wow, Rabbi Taub is right. 
I was thinking to myself, you know what? If I'm focusing on this, and I should be, we should be focusing on it for sure at, at some times of the day. But if I focus on it, that's going to make me safe. I'm safe now because I'm not just going and living my life. I'm safe because, and this is very deep, but this is what I think was going on is I'm safe because I'm thinking about people who are suffering and I'm feeling their suffering and imcha and that's all important. That's all stuff we need to be doing. Now that's going to make me safe. No, who knows? I don't know. I hope that we do good things and it makes us safe, but our safety comes from it. But, that, but that's wrong. That's our, our brains are outsmarting ourselves. It's ours outsmarting us by, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm thinking still, I'm still thinking I'm in control on some, some level. If I keep doing the right stuff, I'm still thinking I'm in control. That's what's happening. All right. You can think about that. Take it or leave it. Agree or disagree. I don't know. I don't know myself at this point. We're going to end it there. Final thought. What's the takeaway? Two things, because you need a simple takeaway. We all need a simple takeaway, okay? You can have a different takeaway. I'm just going to give you mine. Achtus shalom. Three things. Achtus shalom avas Yisrael. We added a thing. Achtus shalom avas Yisrael. I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to say one more time, and I love you all, and Amir Tashem, you know, hopefully time comes soon where things get back to some semblance of normalcy, and we uh, get back to politics, and maybe even get back to fun, and, you know, entertainment and doing things, you know, in a more lighthearted way. But that's not happening now. Um, so I will leave you again. Three things. Achtus Shalom Ahavos Yisrael.